Welcome back to Money with Mac and G. As discussed last week, it was a very interesting travel experience to see my friends on the other side of the world. Always a learning experience, and I was just landing in Dhaka, the capital of Bangladesh. Super easy flight, eight hours from Istanbul, and now I've landed, but I haven't spoken to my wife or friends at all since the journey started. I'm pretty comfortable with time zone changes, and Bangladesh is no different. It was 10 hours ahead of us in the eastern time zone. But it was kind of weird when I started thinking about time zones. I asked myself whether or not money is tied to changing time zones. So I did a little bit of research. First, there are six time zones in the U.S., which include Hawaii, Alaska, Pacific, Mountain, Central, and Eastern. Do you know how many are in China? Any guesses? Only one. The U.S. is about 3,000 miles by 1,500 miles, while China is about 3,000 by 3,400 miles. Yikes. So how does this have anything to do with money? Well, it appears that when you move to daylight savings time in the U.S., they estimate it costs about $434 million due to lost productivity. What's that about? They say it actually takes time to adjust your body to the new sleep schedule, messing with your motivation and energy level at work. Then it also seems like you have an 8% greater chance of an ischemic stroke. (laughs) I kid you not. That costs, and we can't forget the mood swings when there is a less light out there and depression hits you. Who would have ever thought about that? Not me, of course, but somebody did the math. But I also looked at Nepal, the second stop on my trip, and guess what? It's a time zone change that is UTC plus 5 hours and 45 minutes, which means it's 10 hours and 45 minutes ahead. Welcome to the world. Okay, so I landed at the Dhaka airport and there were a lot of people. That's pretty normal, but it didn't change. The mad dash to get through customs and I filled out my landing card but didn't know where I was staying. I knew it was a hotel, but it was on an email. I was tired and I didn't have Wi-Fi. The passport control officer didn't want to let me pass, but a porter sent by the hotel wanted to help. He saw me and since I stuck out like a sore thumb and he figured out that if he yelled nicely to the officer so that he could hear him, then he could give the officer what he needed. Yes, welcome to Bangladesh. But that just means people are very, very helpful. It was another hurdle down. The porter was great. He was helpful, smiled, had a great personality, and spoke very little English. But he let me use his phone and got me out the door. Even after over an hour and a half for my three bags, he was positive about the situation. So I was totally up to tipping the guy. I found out the tips are about 20 taka per bag, or for the three bags, it was 60 taka, which comes in at 60 cents. Think about that for a minute. He does get paid from the hotel, but normally those are jobs based on tips. And that was about 40 cents per hour. That's probably why 10 million, get this, 10 million Bangladeshi leave the country to work elsewhere. Though the numbers are significantly down due to COVID, that's still a big number. The last estimate I found was about 200,000 Bangladeshi are in the United States. The biggest export whereby foreign currency comes back to Bangladesh is in the garment industry. We've talked about that. They export more in garments than anything else. The second cash inflow is from Bangladeshi workers, most in the Middle East, who send about $15 billion back home. Now, these are low-level jobs because the educational system in Bangladesh isn't as strong as the rest of that part of the world. And the economy in the country isn't great either. It's a tough position to be in. 
As I started to walk around, I noticed things. I like to think I'm in pretty decent shape, but I was reminded pretty quickly that it's all relative. I'm in decent shape by quote unquote US standards. As I looked around, I was feeling like a big white giant whale and I probably weighed more than any other person I saw. I really need to go on a diet. That's always a money saving tip, right? Eating less food. But being overweight or obese costs money. Healthcare in a country like Bangladesh is very different. I was trying to remember how much my friend told me a hospital visit for COVID was. If I remembered correctly, it was around 10 US dollars. Seriously, crazy cheap. But I always remember they had less than 100 ventilators in the entire country. You know, the ones that were so crucial to keeping people alive in the US? That's seriously scary. So I had to ask myself the question, what does a country half the size of the U.S. pay for health care? As I'm about ready to give you the number, the U.S. government seems to spend right around $2.8 trillion. That's $2.8 trillion. So what do you think? Their budget for health care was a priority this year, and they raised funding significantly in 2022 to not quite $3.8 billion U.S. dollars. That's billions. I had to do the math several times. We spend about 370 times more per person than they do. That made my head hurt when I thought about it. Okay, it was time to leave the airport. It was the fall, so not as hot as it could be. Air conditioning is a luxury because it's expensive, but I take it for granted like most Americans do. So I wasn't ready for a summer here yet. There were lots of people everywhere, honking horns, a little hard to breathe, and lots of traffic. I found that when you grow up in a certain situation, you tend to get used to it. And when you don't, you notice it. So we grabbed my bags, made our way through the craziness you see at many airports, heard some yelling, and we were off. We were very close to the hotel, but with traffic, you can literally multiply normal travel time by at least two, if not four or five. You find out quickly that the infrastructure isn't what you see in the West. Roads need repair, and there's always construction being done. There's a number of buildings that are partially built until they find more money to keep them going. There's a belief that facilitating payments need to be made to get the work done, thereby making it more expensive than in the U.S. If it's already expensive to build and fix roads, then you have to add on those extra facilitating payments. It makes things very expensive, which means it's less likely to get done, if you know what I mean. When I think about infrastructure and construction, it always makes me think, think of buying a home. If I get it right from a quick Google search, to buy a home in Bangladesh, it appears that interest rates are around 11% with about 30% down in a loan period of 25 years. I know, construction, your home construction, but those are some big numbers. And it just gives you the idea that it's really expensive in other parts of the world if you want to buy a home. Anyway, I'm usually good with traffic, and for the most part I was, but the constant barrage of traffic is literally like playing a video game. You need to dodge cars. Then there are these large buses that literally have scrapes from the front to the back and all the way around. It must have lots of incidents, and that's on every public bus I saw. It's a little bit like Wolverine attacking it. Don't forget, people are walking across highways. There are rickshaws, motorbikes, CNGs, and more. I got to see four people on a motorcycle with what looked like a six-year-old kid squished in there somewhere in the middle. It's expensive to drive a car, as gas is expensive because it's imported. Plus, most people can't afford a car, as we discussed. But the CNGs are like motorcycles that have three wheels with a bench seat behind the driver wrapped in a big metal cage. 
it's pretty interesting, but it uses compressed natural gas, which is hence the name CNG. It's a fraction of the cost of gas, which is now almost five bucks a gallon there and is more expensive in that neck of the woods than in mine. But there is an energy crisis, which means they can't afford to buy enough energy at a reasonable price and have rolling, get this, rolling brownouts, which means the electricity is dropped or just shut off for a period of time throughout the day. We were at lunch and I actually took a quick video when the lights went out. It was a little weird, but nothing happened and everyone just kept eating and life just went on. Hey, I've driven in at least 12 different countries, which include the huge circle around the Arc de Triomphe in Paris. It's called the Etoile, or the Star. But this was a different level of chaos, as there seemed to be fewer rules. But when I think about money and traffic, I had to ask the question about insurance costs, because there seems to be a lot of risk out there with all these potential obstacles on the road, right? Well, recently, car insurance was mandatory. I guess it didn't really work out or somebody wanted to change it, so it's not, no longer that way. I'm guessing few people have it unless they have something really worth protecting. But I still had to know what the starting price for car insurance would be. How much would that cost? I was told it was around 500 taka per month or five US dollars. Is that pretty crazy? Wouldn't you like to see a bill that low for your car insurance? Now, if you walk anywhere around the city, you're going to see a rickshaw because they're everywhere. A bicycle with three wheels and a bench behind the driver, kind of like the CNG. If you need to get home from the market, down the street, or around the corner, it's very easy. Now, depending on distance, a short ride could be 20 to 50 taka, which is 20 to 50 cents, right? You divide by 100, and the longer rides could go over a dollar. Being that I was much bigger than almost any passenger they've ever had, I had to stand back when negotiating the price. The rickshaws are only for two people, besides the driver, of course. And when they saw me coming, they probably weren't happy until it was over, right? But hopefully an extra 20 cent tip would make up the difference. It looks like a tough job and a full-time driver makes, well, less than $10 a day. After navigating the traffic, we arrived at the hotel without any issues. It was literally money central because I was right across from the DACA stock exchange. I did wonder what the equivalent in the U.S. would be for a hotel with such a location. So I quickly glanced at prices in the financial district in our capital, New York, near Wall Street. Looks like it starts at $286 per night, but if you add taxes, you're quickly approaching $350. And I also saw one that was a little weird that was around $2,000 with taxes on a low-budget travel site. Now, mine in DACA was $50 all in. That was a great deal. Hot water, nice bed, nice location, toilet, free breakfast, and more. Plus, it had an air conditioner. Score! I was told the reason it was so expensive is that it was super close to the airport. Hey, that worked for me. I wondered about the market cap for the DACA stock exchange. You know, the number of shares times the price per share. It is about, and I have to do this slowly, 57,000 million U.S. dollars versus 47 million U.S. dollars in the U.S. So ours is over 800 times bigger. That shouldn't be much of a surprise, but it's still interesting to know. Now, we did get a chance to walk around a bit, but it got hot and jet lag was kicking my butt. So I did get to rest up a little bit. When we did head out, we literally took hours to get 30 miles or so outside of the city where I got to enjoy a special fish in Bangladesh. It was funny that I was stopped and asked if I was some famous, rich, handsome soccer player. 
I guess the guy wasn't wearing his glasses. I joked that to my friends that we all looked alike and we had a good laugh about that. But part of the specialty was to grind up part of the fishtail and put it in a mix of spices and other stuff. And if you're lucky, you get the sack of eggs too. I was full by the time that all came around. Now, since our timing was off, we had to head back. And since the lights on the highway with the infrastructure weren't well lit, we actually missed our entrance to the highway a couple of times and went off road. Talk about exciting times. There you have it. Now, I found the highways were pretty decent, but it appeared there wasn't a lot of them and they were built in segments. When a new segment was built, that was usually several inches between the old segment and the new when they were put together. So that meant you were going down the road about 80 kilometers an hour, which is about 48 miles per hour. Then you'd have to slow down to go over the bump where the two segments are put together and do it again a mile later. Okay. Now our highway system is pretty awesome and it has over 160,000 miles while theirs is around 2,500 miles. But the average rule of thumb that I saw online is that it costs about a million dollars per mile to put up a highway. And that's a lot of money. So when we had to go to Kishagange, which was about 100 miles outside of Dhaka, it took about four hours on the best highways. The training was about the same, meaning it was about four hours to do the same trip. And we took it back to Dhaka. We had first class tickets, which cost about $3.50 each. We could sit down. Yes, that's a luxury. Enjoy the air conditioning and be comfortable. But there were also standing cars, which meant you stood for the entire four hours. Some people also rode on top. And I don't think you pay for that. And it goes without saying that that's dangerous. People get hurt, but the system there doesn't seem to allow you to sue like we sue in the United States. Now, my friend's family was amazing. They treated me extremely well and fed me really well. They gave me a mosquito net, which was fun to sleep under, but I wanted to be safe from dengue fever. And I'm not sure where I got it, but I actually got the trots. <laughs> I got the trot. <laughs> it was only for a day, which I'm going to count as my diet. And they had a doctor come over. Do you remember that $30 diarrhea kit I bought before the trip? They got me all the same stuff for less than $5 with a free doctor's visit. Now, isn't that crazy? Since I've never seen this setup before, I have to tell you. My bathroom had a toilet and a sink. And right above the sink where you would see a light, there was my shower head. Yep, it was all in the same space. Early showers were cooler as the water on the roof would heat up during the day, but it definitely made cleaning up anything in the bathroom a lot easier if you get my drift. Now, Nepal was interesting due to the Himalayas. We also got to visit several Buddhist sites. The Monkey Temple and the Copan Monastery were two of our favorites. The Monkey Temple is a Buddhist temple where you can worship and visit. Now, per the Time Travel Turtle website, that's a mouthful, it has an interesting story. In regard to the monkeys who wander the property, you have to be a little bit careful. They do get a bit aggressive and they are mischievous. And if you don't know what that means, I'd say you'd have to Google it. Anyway, here it goes. I'm going to quote it. It's said that the monkeys came into being when the Buddhist deity Manjushri spent time on the hill where the temples are set on. He was meant to cut his hair short, but instead, 
he let it grow and got head lice. These lice then fell off and turned into monkeys that now inhabit the area. Nice. There you go. I got some amazing first-time yoga lessons in Kathmandu as well from a yogi at the Sawar Academy. Now, my favorite move for yoga since it was the first time was the crazy loud nose breathing. (laughs) You had to do it when running. I kid you not. The louder you did it, the better that uh, you were doing yoga. It was old school uh, yoga is what I'm told. And I'm always up for a new experience. Now, on a final note, you might wonder why there are no piggy banks in Bangladesh. They do have banks and I got a coconut one, but not a piggy bank things that you have to remember. Bangladesh is 90% Muslim and has the third largest Muslim population in the world. Drinking alcohol and eating pork are against their religion. Since there are no pigs, because you don't eat pork, there are no piggy banks. (laughs) Hey, isn't life funny? In Bangladesh, I couldn't drink alcohol or eat pork. And in Nepal, I could drink like a fish and eat pork, but I couldn't eat beef. Go figure. Well, thanks for being here, and we'll see you next time for more Money with Mac and G. Bye!